that experience made me realize that it was not over for me. I remember I told them that, and you know how you surprise yourself at times where you're like, wow, I really meant that. Like something is talking through you that is more than yourself in that moment. If you're a professional singer, want to know how to turn singing into a career, or simply love to hear stories from singers on the road, then The Working Singer is the podcast for you. I chat with pro singers about how they make a creative living in the music business, lending their talent to stars like Enrique Iglesias, The Killers, Elvis Costello, and more. They share life lessons, business advice, and how they make a living when they're off the road. We'll also discuss vocal health, technique, performance, coaching, and pretty much all things vocal. Elevate your approach to your singing career, get enlightened about what the pros do, and be inspired with new ideas that you can make your own. My name is Jamila Ford, and this is the Working Singer Podcast. Welcome, 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 everybody. I am so excited that you're here with me today. I really do appreciate that there are about a zillion things that you could be doing. I'm excited that you are here and you're listening and that we're connecting once again. So what do I have? What's coming up? I got, I have like, this rarely ever happens. I've got like four gigs in one weekend. Uh, not to brag, I'm not bragging, but I, you know, I'm thinking about this and I'm like, how did I let this happen? I don't even know how I'm going to get through all of this. Um, but it's cool. <laughs> I'm grateful. Um, and it uh, should be interesting. What do I, what have I got? Um, I sing with the Pretzel Logic Band. We've got two gigs over the weekend. Um, and this will probably air. This is going to air after, um, after any of that. But um, one will be at uh, Rincon Casino, uh, and those are never too long. It's probably about an hour and a half gig. You know, at, at least it's not like one of those four or five hour things where you're like wondering what you're doing with your life, you know. It's always fun to perform with them. So two gigs with them and another on Mother's Day. I think it, we're at the Canyon Club Mother's Day evening and um, San Franciscan on Saturday. That's a... a uh, a bar and grill that I sing at from time to time um, on the weekends. And then um, what is the other one? Oh, uh, The Rose in Pasadena. That's on Mother's Day, but that is in the morning. I believe that's about 11. So I got two gigs on Mother's Day. Um, at least they're spread out. So I've got time, not only time to get to them, but have a little rest time in between. And that, uh, I gig at The Rose is with Proud Mary, a uh, Tina Turner tribute. And um, actually, the Pretzel Logic gig is a Steely Dan tribute. So um, these tributes are huge right now. They've been big for a while. And, um, you know, they're a lot of fun. And the musicians take the music seriously. And um, a lot of these uh, tribute bands are able to tour. You know, the fans take it seriously, too, because, you know, they get to hear the music like it is um, on the record. Um or the live show that they're very familiar with. And, um, you know, the, the live experience is, is everything. The live experience of that music is everything. So I think that's why these, or one big reason why these um, tribute bands are so popular. And um, I don't know, who knows, maybe someday I'll get to work with a Steely, ba Steely Dan band. Um, that would be very exciting. Um, but for now, I'm working with the Steely Dan Review, 
pretzel logic, and that is a lot of fun. <laughs> and they work a lot, so that's cool. Um, so what have we got going on today? Oh, my gosh. my The wonderful, delightful Rafia Ford. Rafia Ford Thomas, I'm sorry. Um, she was recently married. Congratulations to her on that. And um, I wanted to talk to Rafia because I think, um, she, you know, she started a school, the Rafia Music School, and I think that is a huge deal to start a school. Um, you know, just the amount of focus that must take and just the amount of courage that it takes to teach. And I know that, you know, she wasn't doing everything all at once. She had to learn how learn the skill of teaching and she you know has just got years of experience um as a performer and you know with her instrument and um uh built up students built up uh clientele and then was able to transfer that over to a school so we talk about you know how she did that um it wasn't just opening the school and then hoping people came she brought people with her so that was a smart way to do it and um so we discussed that um, so she has worked for, um, we also talk about, uh, her experience touring as a background singer for Tito Jackson, um, among others. Um, she competed on P. Diddy's Making His Band, which I was fascinated with because you know I love a reality show. If you didn't know, <laughs> now you know. I know I am part of the problem. Um, how, we talk about how to ask for what you want, um, negotiating for yourself as an artist, singer, and, um, and what led to her opening her own music school and how that's going for her. So it's really exciting. And uh, Melody, Melanie Taylor from episode six um, teaches her workshop out of Rafia's school. I think she usually does that during the summer. So um, if I get any word on when that's happening again, I will pass it along to you. I usually make that kind of stuff available in the group. So in the Facebook group, so, you know, go to the Facebook, um, go to your Facebook uh, search and type in the Working Singer podcast and um, the group will come up and ask to join and I will let you in. It's as simple as that. And I'm going to introduce the wonderful and delightful and beautiful, gorgeous and talented Rafia Ford Thomas. All right, let's get into it. So where did you grow up? I grew up. I was born in Brooklyn, New York, but I grew up in mm. Long Island. My whole life pretty much was spent in Long Island, New York, in Copaque. Which oh, wow. County. Most people don't know where Copaque is, so I always refer mm. to Annieville, you know, the movie, The Whorehouse, Annie the Whorehouse, that story. So Copaque is like literally next door neighbors to Annieville <laughs> for reference. Oh, interesting. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, and what was it like growing up there? Oh, it was, oh, it was fantastic. Um, it was, mm. my parents are great people. Um, I was actually mm. adopted and they had I, really? I had a family, the Ford family, been with them since I was five years old. So that's pretty much how I ended up in Long Island. Um, from Brooklyn. And uh, initially, we, I was just in the foster care system. But then a few years after, um, I was adopted by my family. So it was a great childhood, mm. had a lot of support, a lot of love, um, encouragement with, mm. with music, of course, you know, starting off at a very young age, um, you know, whether it was singing, 
church or having friends and just forcing them to sing whether they like it or not. Um, you know, trying to <laughs> just get it all in. But um, my childhood was great. Loved it. Playing outdoors. Um, hmm. Yeah, just just really good. Oh, that's wonderful. Wow, that's so nice when somebody can say that because I, I don't know a ton of people who's, who say they enjoyed their childhood. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm sure you know, I have my, my little issues of feeling like bullied or, you know, stuff like that. But um, that was like my early yeah. elementary school. But um, mm. in terms of my house and my home and the, the environment that I grew up in was a very loving um, and supportive environment. Oh, that's wonderful. And how, uh, how old were you when you were adopted? Um, Just... 10, 10 years old. Um, but I stayed with my family mm. from the age of five. Like they, it was a point where oh. initially my family, my parents didn't have the intentions on adopting me. Um, they mm-hmm. were just open to having their home available to children in need and give them a temporary place mm. to stay. But they felt like the children should be with their parents. Um, but then over time, my biological parents, who I'm actually in contact with today, they were having mm. um, just issues. You know, they weren't they were no longer together, of course. And um, they mm. just couldn't get it all on the same page when it just, just mm. fell short on their end. So my parents who raised me, my uh, adoptive parents, they just felt like, okay, you know what? We'll just keep her here. <laughs> me and my mm. sister, my older sister as well. Um, she wasn't mm. adopted, but um, that's another story, not because they didn't love her as much, but she just had her own um things that she was dealing with. She was a lot older than me, or she is a lot older. She's seven years mm-hmm. older. So she knew what was happening. Mm-hmm. Um, she was aware of the environment prior to us coming to the Ford family. Um, you know, my biological parents mm-hmm. and just the environment that was not conducive for a child mm-hmm. to be in. So she mm-hmm. knew it. So she was 12, but she was like a 30 year old woman, you know, <laughs> by the time she um, got to my parents' right. house. So. Yeah. Yeah, but um, other than that, so yeah, there's, you know, there's always layers to it, but overall, my childhood was a good one. That's wonderful. Well, I love to hear that. Um, so what did your parents do? They, well, they're currently, they're retired now, but my parents at the time, my father was a construction worker. He worked in New York City. He worked, whether it was the World Trade Center building or the Brooklyn Bridge or the JFA, uh, JFK, excuse me, airport. My mother worked at a um, hospital. She was a psych attendant. So it was a psychiatric hospital. Mm. <laughs> so she worked mainly with, oh, yeah, wow. with young people, teenagers. Um, but yeah, they, they both worked full time. So were your parents, was it like a musical family? Where is their music playing a lot you know, at your house? And- they're music lovers. My dad, he can, right. yeah, my dad can sing. He thinks he can't, you know, he's like, oh, I can't sing no more. I can't hit the note <laughs> I used to hit, you know, <sighs> but he's very, he's very funny. He um, will have, would and still does have concerts with himself. No one's there, no audience, but it would be him in one room singing and the audience. 
another story. Very, very mm. animated. But um, <clears throat> and he would do that while my friends was over. They're like, wow, Mr. Ford, Mr. Ford can sing. I'm like, yeah, no, he's, he's you know. But um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just passing, you know, they would hear him. But um, yeah, I, my parents, we have family members who are talented. My father's mother, my grandmother was the, when she was alive, she was the organist at her church for a long time, like 50 something mm. years of playing organ. Wow. And, um, and my dad, when he was a teenager, late teens, he was singing in a boy group. Um, and then I think my grandmother tried to get the boys in a choir or she did and had them sing across town, around town and all that. But that didn't last long because once they all graduated mm. high school, they were getting married or going to the service or starting a job or something like that. So you started singing in church. Tell me a little bit about that. Uh, church, uh, five, five years old, children's choir. Um, we want to say my first solo may have been eight years old, but I was singing in the choir of five, but my solo, um, the choir director over the children's choir, she asked me to learn the solo for his eyes are on the sparrow and I was extremely nervous mm -hmm. I remember um <laughs> singing practicing with my mom and but trembling at the performance I remember being really nervous and um yeah uh, you know just 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 <laughs> picturing a little kid but singing and then people after the, the performance, you know, in church, we don't really say performance, but after the selection we did, um, well, now they, mm -hmm. but anyway, after the selection, I remember getting a lot of um, feedback from the audience and they were, you know, mm -hmm. whether what were from the congregation, they were cheering me on and just saying how well it was and, you know, whatever. So um, that was where it started, the children's choir. Mm. And that was the first solo at eight, mm. so yeah mm -hmm. uh, that's sweet I love that <laughs> um so when did you decide uh to start pursuing music you're you're singing in the choir and when did it kind of strike you hmm maybe I want to take mm -hmm. this further you know I feel like it's always been a part of me I don't mm -hmm. I don't know I can't I think that was the first time you know because prior to that um before the solo, I guess, I wasn't, mm -hmm. I always was singing around the house and singing Christmas songs in the middle of July, mm -hmm. you know, just random stuff. <laughs> but um, mm -hmm. I think the solo probably was the time. Um, I just knew it's always been a love of mine. I, I didn't think of it as a mm -hmm. career at the time. You know, I just thought how much mm -hmm. I enjoyed it and how free I felt or how, um, uh, euphoric you know I wasn't thinking that at eight mm. years old but looking back it just mm. was it just felt right so were you singing in um, school were you doing any kind of mm -hmm. um, talent shows mm. and stuff like that tell me a little bit about that uh, let's see I think yeah we had a little bit of we didn't really have the, a choir in until middle school middle school was where it all Middle school would probably be where I said, okay, this is going to be my career <laughs> because mm -hmm. I had really good mentors, um, you know, whatever a career is at sixth grade, but I just knew that 
after school, I was uh, I was a part of the choir. I band actually for a while. I played the flute. So that's when I knew this mm. was what I wanted to do. And I had mm. really good teachers, like my chorus teacher, who I'm actually still really close to. Um, she was very, oh, yeah, she was very instrumental in just my whole journey from then to almost really till close to now. Um, like maybe from wow. then to about college. Um, and mm. yeah, but she, Miss, her name is Miss Ochio Grosso, but we would call her Miss O. And um, yeah, <laughs> middle school was when it all fell into place for me. That's all I did was music by then, whether it was at church, in school. Yes, we had choirs. Uh, and it wasn't a performing arts school. It was a regular public school, but they just happened to have a good music program. So I did choir, band, and select choir, which was like your show choir, musical mm -hmm. theater, you know, dance choreography type thing. Yeah. And who are some of your um, biggest influences? Hmm. Well, the first person that came to mind, there's a lot of people, but I love uh, my favorite singer in terms of just everything and the voice is Rochelle Farrell. Um, her range mm. is just impeccable. I've seen her live twice, once in 2001, then 10 years later, uh, 2011, and her voice sounded exactly the same. She just takes really good care wow. of her voice. Right, yeah. And mm. one was at mm. the Westbury uh, Music Fair. Uh, I think that's the title, but it was in Long Island, saw her. And then actually my mentor that I just mentioned, or chorus teacher, Miss O, she took me to that concert. Mm -hmm. She called me. Oh my me. God, that's so beautiful. Isn't that beautiful? And this is way after middle school. I was uh -huh. in high school, like late high school, let's say like maybe 17, 18 almost. And she said, hey, um, I have tickets to Rochelle Farrell. And I remember our conversation about her. You like her a lot. Well, if you want to come, I have a ticket for her concert. One of my friends can't make it. I said, oh, shoot, absolutely. Mm. So we went to that concert. That was one of the best concerts I've ever seen. So Rochelle Farrell and George Duke Aldero was there. But anyway, um, Rochelle Farrell, I love Sade. Mm. Um, got to mm, see her mm -hmm. here in, Cal in, in California. And, um, but there's many singers, you know, of course you think of the voices like yeah. Whitney Houston or um, Shaka mm -hmm, Khan mm -hmm. or Patti LaBelle or um yeah yeah there's there's so many great singers but um Rochelle is probably mm -hmm. my my best my favorite in terms of like when I listen to her I'm just like okay that's heaven coming through right now <laughs> mm. yeah she is amazing and does she, she plays the piano as well right yes and her or does she not she yes. does. Yeah, she plays a lot of piano, but it, you know, it's not like heavy piano. It's just like a, a, a accompaniment. Like it's just, uh, a, mm. it's just more like background. Like her voice is still the focal point, and then when she performs, yeah. her band is not loud. Her band is super soft. Mm. You know, so really, her voice mm. is the feature. Mm. Yeah, it's amazing. That. 
I yeah, you know, that's uh, such an issue with so many. <laughs> oh bands, my god. You know, that we're oh. <laughs> you know, and just observing it. Yeah, it's uh rarely is it about uh the singer, unfortunately. I think I've I've worked with one band mm -hmm. and I was singing backup and they mm -hmm. it, we had special instructions you know, not to get too, I mean, we, we as singers weren't really going to get too loud, but right. you know, the singer had some things going on and, and she couldn't deal with loud sound. So, um, we were just, it was always something that was really reined in and monitored, so, but that was like one of the best experiences on stage. I swear mm -hmm. <laughs> that <Yeah>. I've had. <laughs> and you get to, right. And you get to hear all the instruments or the parts of what they're doing. It's not like, I mean, it's one thing to play at a volume that gets, the audience up and moving or engaged, mm -hmm. you know, but other than that, it's like for some things, you just don't need to play loud. And then the singer is like over singing and trying to, I mean, you know, that's a whole nother story. I mean, I've currently have situations yeah. like that and I usually am not thrilled, you know, but I, I don't I know. complain about it. Um, but I am very careful. If I feel that I'm mm -hmm. tired, I don't push. Just make other yeah. choices. You know? Yeah, we 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 have to do that. I mean, you know, in some situations, you know, sometimes it's just an energetic thing. We've got mm -hmm. maybe a really hyped audience, and and the band <laughs> is feeling them, and yes. and it's kind of hard to like all you know in the middle of all that say, can you guys kind of keep it down? Sure. <laughs> I mean, you yeah. Can't right. Do that. <laughs> right. And then the audience are looking looking at you like, what's going on? Like we want to dance, like we need something <laughs> upbeat, loud, in our face. So we got to make those adjustments for sure. Right, you're right. Um, so where did you go to? Where did you go to college? Uh, Berkeley College of Music in Boston. I um went there and majored in music education, vice principal. And what was the culture like there? How did you enjoy it? Oh, Berkeley. Um. I can't really put it into one word, but I will say I had the time of my life there. Um, mm. And not to sound corny, I, I just, it was great. It was great in, in, all, mm. in all different ways. Culture-wise, there was a huge melting pot. I was used to a melting pot in high school because we had all different, you know, ethnicities, backgrounds, but college was even more reflective because you have musicians coming from all over the world from australia from the you know parts different parts of the uk uh japan india and then obviously people just here from america but all of us were um intermingled and we played in ensembles together or we ate lunch together or we were roommates or you know dorm mates or whatever so the culture was vast it was wide and um it just showed you a whole nother you know we didn't see differences in culture you know we may obviously if someone had an accent you're like oh well where are you from <laughs> you know obviously that's the first question but then once you talk yeah. to them and you guys whether you have lunch together or your roommates or your friends then you just realize how much in common you may have aside from cultural mm. things but 
just people things, you know, if you're, if you're both having trouble with ear training and you're like, you know, this teacher, I'm having some difficulty, you know, that there's no race or culture yeah. in that. That's just what it is. You know, your people. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So it was great. <laughs> yeah, it was great. Where did you, uh, do gigs while you were in school? Yes. Did, was that a part of the, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and tell me a little bit about that. What was that like? I, I sang, I sang with some of my teachers, actually. We did a few gigs. It was pretty cool. Berkeley was really unique in the teachers are active musicians and singers, whether they were mm-hmm. teaching there for some time and doing gigs and shows with artists or doing their own thing or whatever. But I did gigs, yes. And I um, sang with a... They used to, well on the East Coast they call it a general business band, but here on the on the West Coast it's like casual band. I sang with the band. Their name is Search Party, and I had a great time with them. I sang with them for a few years while I was at Berkeley, and it was great because as a college student, mm-hmm. most of us at that time didn't really have income, you know, because you're a student. So the mm-hmm. band was great. It was like you know I was getting like thirteen, fifteen hundred a week from just doing weekend gigs. Wow. So pretty cool. Yes. Wow. Right. Right. Okay. So <laughs> right. So that was helping, you know, once I had a, a an apartment and roommate, it was it was great. It definitely and the guys were good to work with too. So the guys you mean yeah. in terms of uh, the bands? Yeah, the band. Oh, that's mm-hmm. nice. just, yeah, just that one band. They, I worked with them um for for oh. about three years, maybe four. I have to think mm-hmm. about that, but at least three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I did one year actually I did three years and then when I moved back to New York after I graduated I did one more year with them and I would commute from New York to Boston every weekend for a year wow mm-hmm. what an amazing experience that's just so cool you yeah, know to be a student and and kind of get a taste of what it is to also be a professional and have all mm-hmm. that support around you and i think mm-hmm. that's really incredible i think that's really awesome mm-hmm. and would you say that if um i mean i've thought about this um because i kind of went uh i guess to a more what would I say? I, I guess I, for lack of a better word to, that I can come up with, like traditional, you know, school where mm-hmm. we had sort of the, and I don't, I don't know what Berkeley's curriculum was like, but right. um, just kind of, kind of classically trained, you know, you do classical and you do jazz and you, you know, um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. would you say if somebody, uh, you know, if a kid wanted to become a musician and they also wanted to go to school, do you think that this would attending mm-hmm. a school like Berkeley or maybe like Cal Arts on this coast or, or something like that, or what is it on, on our side? It's uh, Musicians Institute. A school like that might set a person up uh, better for a uh, a professional career as a musician? You know, it's a good question. I think any music institution, whether it's classical, you know, classically based, whether, because like, for example, we used to share a cafeteria with Boston Conservatory, literally. Mm. And there were students that did, um, I don't remember the name of the actual program, but I, I can tell you what they did. We, Berkeley students could go to Boston College or uh, Boston Conservatory and then vice versa, where they could mm. like a, 
take a few classes from each school um, for oh, their wow. program. I don't, I don't remember the name of it, but like a handful. Um, Berkeley, I would say now is maybe a lot like Musicians Institute in terms of um, there are, we had traditional studies. We did have where we had to sing a classical piece and, you know, mm-hmm. jazz studies and, and theory and all of the stuff that any musician, whether you go to a classical or a jazz school, we all had to learn right. it. Um, yeah. You know, right. The stuff that you, if you're not doing like a orchestral, you know, conductor arranger, you will never use <laughs> we all had to learn that stuff but um, right <laughs> yeah I think to set up for the music business I think Berkeley was great in that um mm-hmm. but I have friends who went to Juilliard and they were set up just as well sometimes mm-hmm. in some instances not um maybe better you know mm-hmm. um or that went to the other school AMDA in New York you know for acting and, and singing and, and preparing you for how to um, get gigs or shows, you know, auditions and, and, and building repertoire. And so I, I don't mm. think, mm, I wouldn't say Berkeley is the best in that. I think that Berkeley is great, but I feel like there's other schools that mm. will, can equip their students just as good. Um, mm. I will say that Berkeley has a great, like mm, probably any other college, a great network of people. We are all right. over the place. When I moved out to LA, I didn't realize how many alumni, Berkeley alum, that lived out here mm. and that are connected and that are doing wonderful things throughout the music industry. Um, and I, there's a lot of people that, whether I went to school with them, that are doing great that are on billboards of in Times Square or traveling the world and like huge international artists, my old roommate by the way, um, that are doing wonderful. Yeah. So, you know, I think that's more to answer the question, yes, Berkeley's great, but there's other schools that do just as well. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And maybe it depends on, you know, um what um, facet of the industry you want to get into. I mean, if you wanted to, you know, basically get into the pop world or the R&B world, maybe Berkeley right. might be, you know, the place. And of course, Juilliard, if you right. want to go the classical route, obviously, would you say? Exactly. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. You know, um, exactly. You You want to once you know what you want to focus in, like obviously if you're a classical student or you're wanting to be an opera singer and sing at the Met and Carnegie Hall, you're not going to go to Berkeley. Right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> just like, yeah. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. So what was your, your first uh, big gig? Like who was the first big artist that you sang background for? Um. Well, I would say the first, first artist, uh, 12th grade, I, we only did like a few songs with him, but, um, we, well, you know, what? I won't say that we didn't really sing for him. We opened up for him. Um, Donnie McClurkin, he had did, um, mm. he used to go to our, my high school in Copaque and he did a, we had oh, an African American wow. organization, um, uh, concert 
um, at that time I was president of the club and they happened to somebody contacted him and he had said yes, so he came. But my first artist, I would say, was Tito Jackson when I moved to LA. First oh, no kidding. Gig, yeah, first professional, like, touring, singing with uh, an artist on that caliber. Um, mm-hmm. Prior to that, I did go to Japan with a gospel group and toured with them. But in terms mm-hmm. of, like, your pop solo artist where you're singing, like, oohs and ahs and all that, <laughs> it would be Tito Jackson. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Oh wow! And where did you where did you guys go? Where did where do you uh, what parts of the world um, did you see with them? Well, we saw mainly Europe. We did mm. a lot of things in Europe, and then um, we had opened up for uh, Gladys Knight and Dionne Warwick, um, uh, Shaka Khan. You know, we did a lot of states. We did a lot of dates within the states too. So I would say mm-hmm. Europe. Um, and in the U.S., and I was with Tito for four years, almost five. Wow. Mm-hmm. That we was were, so awesome. Yeah, it was fun. That was a fun gig. Um, we were his bowler babes, so me and, and two <laughs> other ladies, right, he had, has this style. He likes to wear bowler hats, you know, so we wouldn't wear the hats, but that's what he called us, and, you know, we would have our costumes and stuff and do uh, his blues numbers and then also sing, um, the Jackson five songs, you know? Oh my gosh. That is, oh, that's amazing. It's a lot of fun. I mean, singing Jackson five songs with, with a member of the Jackson five. I mean, right. (laughs) Right. Right. And the funny thing is Tito is, is, is very down to earth. Um, I remember when I first met him, um, he was so calm and he always was that way where I knew who he was, but he made you feel like, Hey, I'm just a normal person. You know, let's, mm. let's like, you know, at the end of the gig, it's like, Oh yeah, let's stop by this place to grab something to eat. Hey, come on guys. Let's everybody come. Like it was just, he was always very nice and very, um, personable, very mm. nice, fun to work with. Easy, easy gig, but fun. Oh, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. I love that. So that was your first big gig. What uh, what kind of things did you learn that you kind of took with you to other gigs or to, you know, mm-hmm. other people that you worked for? Good question. Um, I learned about communication um, mm-hmm. and asking for things in a way that people can receive it in a good good way. So for example, when we were in Japan, Um, Mm -hmm. We were at the Blue Note in Tokyo, and um, the girls, me and the two other ladies, we, you get off a stage, you're soaking wet, you're exhausted, because we would dance too. I don't know how we end up, Mm -hmm. but yeah, we became dancers by time. (laughs) So anyway, (laughs) um, you know, we're exhausted, and we did two shows a day, and we did like a 10-show run at that that venue. So anyway, um, we were needing a few things whether it was tea or water or things just to be laid out and I just Mm -hmm. learned how to ask for things where it could be received well and not in a diva way you know where people wanted to help and they were very Mm -hmm. gracious and nice to us in Japan very efficient and beyond efficient 
but mm. I guess communication would be one. Um, when it mm. came to business, I learned mm. that um, whether you talk about pay rate or um, I was never afraid to ask about rate, <laughs> but you know, um, I you. think there, <laughs> yeah, you know, I don't know why I'm not because you, you know, most people are, but I, um, yeah. I think fortunately I've been able to discuss it where it wasn't an awkward thing. It was just a, okay, well, that's a common sense question to ask the way it was received. Like, okay, yeah, we're mm. paying X amount of dollars. So communication would be one. Um, mm. And mm, is it, I, that's a good question. I never thought of that. I'm sure I learned some other things, but I think it's communication. Yeah. Oh, 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 oh think, another thing, treat people yeah. how you want to be treated. Um, mm. as an artist. So a lot of us, you know, singing background vocals, at some point, you want to probably give yourself that opportunity or that window of time to become a solo artist yourself. And that's what mm -hmm. happened to me, um, you know, like a year or two after singing Tito. Mm -hmm. I said, okay, you know, I'm going to give myself this time to, to release some kind of CD, EP, People were asking, mm -hmm. hey, you have any original songs? How do I, you know, take your music home with me? I'm like, okay, I need to record something. So the point is, mm -hmm. when I worked with band members and hired my own band or my own thing, um, I treated them the way I wanted to be treated. And I know mm. in Tito's situation, he was very nice to us. And whatever he could do to extend or make sure we were comfortable or um, make sure, especially for the females. I mean, the guys were taken care of, but the girls were really taken care of, you know? Mm. Um, so yeah, I think that that was another thing in terms of always being nice to people and just do what you can to make people feel good, especially when they're working on your behalf. Mm. I think that's beautiful. Absolutely. That's excellent. I mean, that's an excellent takeaway. It's great advice. It's that whole thing of of people not remembering exactly what you said or or what you did but you know how how you made them feel so yes you know. that's right um, that is exactly right yeah and in terms of um because this is something i've been thinking about a lot lately too even after all these years of singing i'm just like I, there's still so much to learn <laughs> oh man. You know? yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> But I feel like, and tell me if you feel this way, I'm finding that singing and performing are, seem to be two separate things. And it seems like, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. you know, just in terms of like, you know, there's the singing, there's the technicality of it, there's your sound. And right, then I also right. feel like there's separate, like kind of stagecraft, you know. Oh, um, yeah, absolutely. You know, right? Connection with the audience and, right. and all of that. What did you get from, and I feel like, you know, the Jacksons, as far as it goes, are just, uh, I mean, can you think of anybody else who's better at that kind of thing than the Jacksons, who's spent more time rehearsing, you know, uh, that yeah. type of thing? You know, what you do know, you feel, do you, yeah, what do you feel like you learned in that situation, as far as that goes? Mm -hmm. um, well, I learned that you have to, and that's exactly right, singing is different than the actual performance and the crafting of it. Um, I would say that paying attention to detail 
it's something mm. that I mean, it's so obvious. Yes, you need to make sure things are placed in a certain way or, or you, um, but like even like the little banter moments of your mm-hmm. uh, delivery. Because, you know, let's say if you're doing the same show for two, three months and keeping it fresh where the mm-hmm. audience is their first time hearing it, but you've said it like a hundred times. <laughs> so mm. keeping keeping the freshness and the mindset of, you're here to entertain. You're here to make people feel good. It's not about you. It's about them. You know, of course, you need to feel good to do it. But just getting out of the way. And um, I would say that with Tito's situation, because there was a few other artists that I learned some really good things from. But mm. Tito, um, it was more of a, I would say, the rehearsal the dancing and just mm-hmm. really wanted to perfect the show and because the singing was one part but to have those dance moves and to deliver them and to smile mm-hmm. and to be engaged mm-hmm. and to keep that energy up that's what I learned from there mm-hmm. mm. Mm. I feel like I've noticed you know especially uh singers that I've worked with who maybe started off as dancers they are thinking about every inch of themselves in terms of like you know presenting themselves to the audience there's always a smile <laughs> on the face. yeah you know <laughs> I don't know if singers quite at least me you know I'll just speak for myself but you know that's something I've really noticed I'm just like oh I'm frowning right now I really need to you know make sure yeah. <laughs> I at least have a good <laughs> you know you I'm know at least what? presenting to the audience <laughs> yeah because you may be caught in the thought you know Like you may not be thinking about, you may lose the connection for that moment. Something may, you know, a thought may come across and then you're not engaged and your face may not be smiling because you're thinking about it. Then it looks like you're not having a good time. Right. (laughs) I'm sorry. I just wasn't present for a moment. I'm back. Yes. Right. (laughs) That's funny. Um, So cool. Yeah. I mean, you've sung with so many people, you know, I was looking at, uh, looking at your bio and uh I got a lot I want to get to with you but just I I, you know Christina Aguilera Tony Braxton Mm -hmm. Anita Baker oh you know I didn't sing with Anita I sang to her at Berkeley oh wow Um, oh so she yeah she was receiving her honorary doctorate at Berkeley um I don't know if it was 25, 26. I have to think about that. But she was receiving her doctorate and um, they had selected a few students, um, Mm -hmm. ones that had previously maybe sang at the the Singer Showcase, which is a big concert at Berkeley. They have it once Mm -hmm. a year. It's a big deal, you know, once a semester. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. And um, Mm -hmm. but anyway, so they would pick students from that or whoever. And we sang her songs. So there was one. Wow that saying, you know, no one in the world or been so long, or I actually had sang one of the songs that was um, from her last recent album, um, You're My Everything. So yeah, that's, that's what happened with, uh, with Anita Baker, but it, that was a great experience wow. too, just meeting her. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Were you just nervous out of your mind? Like, <laughs> how did you that feel? I I cried when I met her. She uh, said, why are you crying? 
it was just so uh, surreal because she came up, she gave me a big hug, a kiss on the cheek, told me I did a beautiful job. And I started crying. I said, oh my God, because I couldn't believe that was happening. I grew up listening to her, you know? And uh, then, then it's like, wow, she's standing here in front of me. Like, and so, yeah, that was a great experience. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, that is so amazing. I love it. Um, and who else? I have a, did you sing, have, did you work with Aretha Franklin? I did not. That was another artist that I sang to. Miss um, Franklin was honored at Berkeley this, mm. uh, uh, the year after, actually, Anita Baker, I want to say, um, she was honored at Berkeley, same, same reason, honorary doctorate. And um, she actually got into town the day after our concert, but we paid tribute to her. Mm. So same thing. So I didn't actually get to meet her, but I did sing her song in honor of her um, receiving the honorary doctorate at Berkeley. Oh, wow. That's amazing. That is so, and you know, we, we recently lost her and uh, this isn't going to air for a while, but you know, I really, um, uh, I would say, and you know, she'd passed and I just felt like, oh man, you know, I, I never got to see her live and um, I know, eh, you know, and I, I was, I listened to one of her songs and I just started weeping and I, that was like, it was that moment that I realized how much, you know, she meant to me. Uh, yes. How yes. did you feel about her passing? It felt, um, felt sad, but it, it felt bittersweet. Um, her music, her music and her legacy, you know, I just, when I watched, I heard about it, um, on CNN, you know, soon as, uh, turned the TV on, I said, oh, I'm like, she passed, you know, and of course we heard like a day or two prior to that, that her health was, had declined. Yeah. And uh, we've been hearing that for some time, but you know, the last few days before her passing, it was like really serious. So mm -hmm. when I watched the TV, CNN had a beautiful story on her life and mm. I was inspired by her yes. legacy and her, um, mm. her, not only in her music, but just how she was as a woman and, and a singer and how she was sure of herself. You know, she mm. was able to, um, communicate and to be, um, I mean, she wasn't shy. Like she just was, just spoke her truth. And I, I love people mm -hmm. like that. So that was something they were showing clips of her. And I said, wow, interviews from whether it was from back in the seventies or present day. And um, I was inspired by her legacy and part of it because of the obvious, her, her career and all the successes she's had. She was actually the first woman, if I'm not mistaken, to be um, inducted into the hall of fame and um rock and roll hall of fame i want to say and right. i saw that on yeah cnn and um i hope i'm correcting that but that's what i remember hearing and she um she's also an aries like myself few days apart so her birthday oh, wow. was march 25th mine is march 28th so i I said, wow, you know, so there was just all these qualities where I'm just like, hmm, okay, all right, fellow Aries, you know, <laughs> unite, so, yeah, <laughs> right. so anyway, it was, I felt 
her passing is sad. Um, yes. But her legacy is inspiring. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, well said. I, I completely agree. And yeah, she, I, I just looked it up here. She was the first woman inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Okay, good. Good. Thank you, <laughs> I right. you know, doing some uh, fact, fact check, checker, you know, make sure I'm not just throwing out information that's inaccurate, but yeah. Here. And while we're kind of still on the, on the subject, I'm going to move on to a, a couple other things, but um, just kind of doing, uh, you did mention, you know, kind of talking of naming your price or, or at least, you know, talking about pay as, as a background singer. Um, like over the years, mm -hmm. what kind of uh, business have you uh, kind of done for yourself as a background singer, you know, prior to doing the work for somebody? What kind of things... Um, especially like on a bigger tour, what kind of things would a singer want to have in place? Is there usually any kind of contract or anything like that? Has that been your experience? Um, you know, there has been basic, it's almost like, you know, when you get a job and they say, okay, fill out your W-2 or your W-4, you know, just like the uh, preliminary paperwork. That's generally what I was offered. Um, or if it was a rate, I would sign to it. Yes, I would get most of that. And sometimes it was just word of mouth, you know. Um, I don't really recommend those situations, but a lot of times we're presented with that. Um, right. But anything that's union, um, like when I did uh, the, just, I actually sang with Christina Aguilera once, you know, um, on the Ellen DeGeneres show. And mm. um, you know, those kind of gigs, Yes, that your rate is is set. Um, they'll mm -hmm. whether it's someone that they bring in as the vocal contractor, and that's the case for me. I wasn't the vocal contractor. I was hired by a vocal contractor to come in and do the gig. So mm. the rate had already been set, you know, mm. prior to that. Um, and in those situations, they're they're usually good. <laughs> this is so. It, it's not like right. oh, you're only getting paid a hundred bucks to be on. It's like no, usually it's 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 worth doing you know so I, I didn't have to negotiate those things I think um for me and but actually not just me a lot of us you know on the local scene a lot of it has been verbal but I would say right. when it comes to tours you know usually yes there's some exchange of paperwork and because they do have to on the the artist end they have to cover their basis too you know when they're mm -hmm. paying you and and um, when it comes to tax season and all that, they can't just pay you and not record it, you know, so there has to be a paper trail. So yeah, um, I have signed paperwork that had my set mm -hmm. rate. So I knew what I was getting every gig. Mm -hmm. mm, um, that's good. I will say this though, on a artist level, I do a lot of more negotiating and, and dealing mm -hmm. with my rate and paperwork and contracts. So background mm. singer, I had paper, but I think it was, it's more with the individual artist work that I do a lot of um, like, okay, here's my writer, you know, here's my performance agreement or contract. Here's my writer. Um, here's my rate. And then, you know, negotiate the deal. I always say it's negotiable depending mm -hmm. on, you know, someone has a budget and they, their budget is not quite what I would want then I would make something adjustments on my end instead of, let's say, hypothetically speaking, instead of bringing a five piece band, maybe bring a trio 
or a two piece, you know, if their budget is, that's what they're giving me, you know what I mean? Or do a shorter mm. set or, you know, there's ways, cause I've, I have definitely overpriced before, you know, mm. <laughs> Where right. like, okay, she's, saying, she's asking for way too much. So I've done, I've fell flat on my face a couple of times, good few times. So, but, um, mm. I think I, the negotiating and paperwork and rate is definitely more on the solo artist route than my, the background mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Oh, that's good to certainly some good things to think about I know that um you know the question just comes up a lot it's because there's no real nothing's really there's not any real kind of handbook it, it just seems mm-hmm. like we're going from situation to situation trying to feel it out and right you know yeah but you yeah you can definitely negotiate your rate and I've done it I've done it even with in the Tito situation um, I've negotiated rates and then fortunately I got what I asked for, but it was all yeah. within reason, you know, like if I'm, there was one point that I was helping out with extra stuff. So I wasn't just on stage singing and dancing. I was helping, you know, teach girls and, and train them based on, um, you know, um, choreography. I'm not a dancer far from it, mm-hmm. far from it. There's no dance background. You know, I just happened to know the steps, but there were girls that needed to come in and be shown that. So somebody had to have time with them, you know? Mm-hmm. So I was compensated for all of that, you know? Mm. Yeah. Did you, did you ask, did you ask to be, or is it something that they kind of got on their own? Like she's doing extra work. We should pay her. Was it something, a situation where you had to approach someone? Mm-hmm. It was a mutual thing. It was a mutual thing. You know, it was kind of like, yeah, yeah. But those things, you know, you speak up for yourself. And I can say because I spoke up for myself, I was respected. Yeah. That's good. I I think that's probably a good rule of thumb. People respect people who, you know, respectfully speak up for (laughs) for themselves. Right. Right. um, And then sometimes I, I, when I think back, there was a situation where I, I maybe did too much of speaking up, like, mm. you know, where I, I never have, like was rude to anybody or anything like that, but I was just mm-hmm. kind of asking too many questions. Cause sometimes, you know, when you're new to a situation, you have to act new. <laughs> you don't come in just trying <laughs> right. to take over and, you yeah. know, just you you ease your way in so I think there has been a moment or two where I just seem to like maybe I asked too many questions you know or just Mm -hmm. like okay you know what she's yeah we'll we'll just go this way (laughs) so I'm sure I've (laughs) I've shot myself in the foot a couple times oh my goodness haven't we all Mm -hmm. oh my god Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's, yeah, it's an important lesson to, you know, that we all have to get is just to kind of learn how to take the temperature of a situation, certainly when you're, right. you know, you should always be doing that basically, but certainly when you're new, you know, uh, knowing when to uh, start taking the temperature and then when to, uh, when to speak and, and all of that, it's, it's definitely a balance. Okay, but okay, so this is one thing that I was really, um, you know, I, it comes up a lot, like uh, reality reality tv and singing and reality singing competitions Mm -hmm. (laughs) so i had Mm -hmm. to ask Mm -hmm. um so you competed in uh p diddy's making his band what was that like how was that experience you know it was a 
it was a bittersweet experience. And mm-hmm. I guess because it was a feel uh mixed mixed feelings, right? So mm-hmm. it was great in a way. I went, I auditioned for three days straight, mm. like Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I went to New York City. I left New, uh, Long Island, New York, rode on a bus, no, excuse me, on a train with my cousin. And she stood in line with me or online with me and, um, mm-hmm. or in line, yeah. She stood in line with me. She's not a musician, she's not a singer. And the only way that you could <laughs> audition or be in line was if you were auditioning. So that's a whole funny story. I'll tell you about that another time. But anyway, the audition process was great. Friday, mm-hmm. I auditioned several rounds, got through, ended up being one of five vocalists from New York City that they flew out to LA. So all oh, wow. of that was wonderful. It was surreal. I couldn't believe it was happening. I'm like, all these people, and they picked me, OMG. So, and with other four other vocalists. So, and there was a lot of good musicians and singers Mm -hmm. and just Mm -hmm. all of that. So um, I had a ball with the audition Mm -hmm. process and we were there for a long time, for days. And they kept making elimination after elimination after elimination. And I was still Mm -hmm. there. So that part was like amazing, right? That was only God within that himself because I know that that wasn't me so that Mm. part was great Mm. um they fly us out then i get out to la because i'm i'm a new yorker so i'm thinking oh la is hot so i should bring shorts and sandals and you know little tank tops and things not like you know super you know belly showing type thing but i dressed Mm -hmm. very cool I dressed like it was summertime and it wasn't. And we were outside. We had, uh, we were at one building. I don't remember if where we were, but we were standing outside for a few hours and I had gotten sick. I got sick, lost my voice. Oh, no. yeah. oh my God. So that's what I mean about the bittersweet. So like kind of uh, like mixed emotions because it was great. And then I get to LA end up getting under the weather. I'm like sick. It was crazy. And then I feel like it was part of my nerves as well, you know, mm. and it was just really that part I wish didn't happen, but it was, it was all meant to be because that's where, um, the last day of the, uh, audition process, which was at the or- Orpheum Theater, um, mm-hmm. P. Diddy came. That's when we met him and he was one of the judges. And, you know, we went through rounds of hours, several hours of auditioning. And then they made their final cut and I did not make it into the house. And I remember Mm. the contestants there with me. They were like, my name at the time, Nadine, my first name. They were like whispering my name, like, okay, come on, come on, call it, call it. And they, girl, they did not call me. (laughs) I was like, okay. (laughs) Right, right. So I remember, you know, just going back to the hotel and of course the contestants who I had bonded with and, you know, they were like, oh man, that's so messed up. You should have been there. And then here's the funny thing. Some of the singers that made it into the house, I helped them. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Like background vocals, like, hey, what's that? What's that soprano part? What's the alto part? What's the tenor? I've always been, you know, pretty good with that, you know, the, the, 
parts and harmonizing and all that. So I was like, yeah, such a, such a, no problem helping. That's where the teacher part comes out. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, but didn't make it. So the good thing in that was that's what planted the seed for me to move to Los Angeles. Mm. That experience made me realize that it was not over for me. I remember I told them that, and you know how you surprise yourself at times where Mm. you're like, wow, I really meant that. Like something is Mm. talking through you that is more than yourself in that moment. Like it's really your, your, whether it's your spirit or God talking through you or Mm. your, I remember saying, you're like, you know what? This is not the end for me. Yes, this moment may not feel good, but it only did more. It just added more fire into me Mm. versus discouraging me. And I mean, I went back home. I was actually teaching public school music um, between a middle school and a high school at that time. Mm -hmm. So that, you know, I had the degree for education. So when I moved back, uh, to mm-hmm. New York from Boston, I taught public school for a couple of years, for two years, and um, before I moved to LA. So that oh, wow. that experience um, made me go back to the school that I was teaching at. And mm-hmm. one day, I'm standing in front of the classroom talking to the kids, and these are high schoolers. Um, mm-hmm. By the way, it was in kind of like a, a rough neighborhood and um, that I was teaching at at the time. So I told the children, I said, you know, whatever you do, finish school. <laughs> I had to tell them that. <laughs> finish school, mm-hmm. but go for your dreams. Never give up. Really, what it is, whatever makes you filled with passion and you dream of good, go for it. So as yeah. I'm telling them this, I'm like, I need to be telling myself this. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> this is right. You know, I'm sitting here like preaching, kind of like preaching to them. Sorry. you know, I'm sitting here preaching to them and I'm like, I need to tell myself this. And that's what I did. I said, you know what? I talked. Um, so after that little, um, what do you call it? Epiphany. <laughs> I talked to my college roommate who is, um, who was actually my roommate when I moved to L.A., I called her because she she came to check on me because she was already in LA. She came to check on me while I was out here competing for the the show and, you know, to make sure I was feeling okay. And she was just a good friend. So anyway, um, I reached out to her and I said, Hey, um, you know, I'm thinking about moving to, to California, to LA. She said, girl, come out here. She said, we could split this rent halfway. (laughs) <laughs> so I said okay <laughs> like all right um and it wasn't that much I paid like 500 a month when I first moved wow I, I said, oh I my goodness that you know oh, right I wish it was like that now Jesus but anyway <laughs> I said I could afford that you know so she that's what I did I I told oh, my wow. family and of course my parents was like oh okay uh you want to boo and um my mom was totally at peace with it. My dad was like, Oh, I don't want you to get out there and get on drugs. And I'm like, what? That ain't nobody getting on drugs. Like, you know, so, you know, but I didn't, I didn't say that to him. I let him have his moment. Right. It was funny. Uh, My mom was cracking up in silence. His back was turned to us as he was saying all this. So we couldn't let him know that we were looking at him like, really? Are you serious? We had to have his moment, but right. It is, it was hilarious. So that is what it ignited me. It put, fuel in me to say, you know what, I'm going to really go out here and, and seek it. So 
talking to my mm. students and and um you know just putting it out there made me realize let me go on and do this and um that's what happened i moved out to la shortly after that august 20 uh, 2009 that's wow. when i moved out here and then um my roommate who is a famous singer her name is tila savage she's a nigerian um artist she does pop pop music and she is doing phenomenal Tiwa is the one who told me to, you know, come on, move on out here. And, and um, she said, well, you know, if there's anything that comes my way, because she was, is signed still with Sony um, mm -hmm. and as a songwriter um, at the time, you know, she's an artist now. But anyway, um, mm -hmm. the point of me mentioning that is that she was totally like, hey, come out here if anything comes my way, like anybody sends me auditions, I'll send it to you. And that's what happened. The call wow. for Tito's gig came out. And that's when I did my first reality TV show, which was the um, A&E um, Jackson story, The Family Dynasty. That was the first one. Oh, oh no kidding. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. And that's um, when we went to Europe. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Very cool. I, that's one reality show. And I'm a reality show fiend. That's one I had not heard of. So <laughs> that's mm -hmm. very cool. Yeah, you know, it wasn't as long, right? You're like, I know all the reality shows. How did that pass me? <laughs> um, it was on a &E, <laughs> and it was, it didn't run that long. It's funny because sometimes mm -hmm. they show repeats of it. It was only a few episodes. But, um, you oh, know, okay. the brothers, it, of course, we worked, I worked with Tito mainly, but the brothers came in for a few rehearsals and worked with us. So wow. they captured that on the show. And um, yeah, so that was. Did you, was that before or after Michael passed? Did you get to meet Michael or? No, this was right after he passed in 2009. I got the gig okay. August 2009. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Mm, another one I cannot believe is is gone and just I, I know I know I know I was I was telling my husband the other day I said you know there's so many great artists that have are leaving us like legacy yeah. iconic artists you know yes. I mean every artist has their their um uh, what they leave us you know with their music but yeah. I'm like there's too many people leaving too many. <laughs> right. like, we got Whitney is gone. Um, uh, Prince is gone. Michael Jackson is gone. Aretha Franklin is gone. David Bowie is gone. You know, and uh, okay. Glenn Campbell is gone. You know, like it's yes. just on each, each genre of greatness in music. I'm like, yes. I, I need things to calm down. I need people to live till they're hundred <laughs> and you know and exactly. keep making music. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I agree. Um, Okay, let's get into, well, let's get into your school, just to, mm -hmm. you know, um, what, uh, what inspired you to start your school? It sounds like I, I had no idea you, you, you taught all those years back then. So then obviously, mm -hmm. you know, you, you had a music, uh, you have a music education degree. Did you have mm -hmm. to, did you do any student teaching while you were in school? Just by the yes, way. Yes, yes, honey, yes. Music, the music <laughs> department, <laughs> music education, the major was um, involved. It was very, that program, if you didn't stay on top of things, you could have been easily at school for five years just for the undergrad. 
um, I, I stayed every summer. Like I did the fall, spring semester. I was a little bit, I don't want to say a geek. I'm not, I mean, geeks are very cool. Um, but I was just very focused on like getting this program done. And, um, while I was at Berkeley, I was on a Dean's list like four times. And, um, I just, not because I'm smart. I just wanted to just (laughs) be on top. I mean, I'm smart, but I'm not a geek, you know, like not geek, but like, I'm not like super intelligent where I'm just in another planet and everybody else is no, but, um, I, yeah, Berkeley, was very intense with the the music ed program. So oh, wow. um, what started the school, and I think that's any program, you know, any school that's offering education as a major, you're going to be doing some stuff like, <laughs> like, so yes, I did student teaching my last year, they called it like the practicum. So um, the last semester, I did my student teaching. So I observed under um, and on the elementary level, um, under a teacher, I shadowed, observed, taught classes, and then I did the high school level the second half of the year, you know, and, and fulfilled my credits. And then they, we had to learn instruments, every instrument within the family. So like a woodwind, brass instrument, and what, and of course, piano, um, we had to have a basic, um, like a, uh, beginning to intermediate level of understanding and performance level of it. So if we were in a situation where we had to teach, we would be able to do it. Um, mm. So that was really part of the curriculum. In addition to all of the other classes that we all take, you know, the general ed mm. classes and, um, but it was a lot of, yeah, definitely did student teaching and all that fun stuff and had to get certified in the state of Massachusetts for my teaching or teacher credentials, um, which was certification for um, kindergarten from kindergarten to 12th grade. So I did have that. So by the time I moved wow. to New York or back to New York, um, fortunately, I didn't have to take the New York state test because for the first two years, of my teaching, New York was a reciprocal state for the state of Massachusetts. So I was able to use my Massachusetts certification to teach in New York for two years. So that was good. Wow. Cause I was just by the end of Berkeley, I was fried, you know, in terms of I the, mean, the wow. yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, I'm like when you say how was Berkeley, I'm like, Berkeley was great. You know, I met, there was all these like life changing experiences and, and meeting all yeah. these people and working and, but when it came to the workload, I worked. <laughs> so, um, but, yeah. but yeah, the, um, the music school, the way that came about to answer the question, um, when I first moved to LA, I was singing backgrounds and traveling a little here and there, but there was a lot of downtime in the middle of the gigs where I didn't work for several months at a time. And it was super stressful, super stressful, you know, because still, you know, the bills come every month, your rent is due, your car note, you know, all these different things. So I got to a point where I said, you know what, let me seek a job. So I, it's funny, I worked at JCPenney's for two weeks. I was over it. Love JCPenney's, but not to work there during the holiday season. So that was my first and last time working at JCPenney's. 
So yeah, yeah I couldn't. Yeah, that was that was during Christmas season. Horrible, worst oh. time. But yeah. love JC Penney's. Anyway, um, good sales. I have to say, good yeah, sales. good sale. Yeah, that's a family store. That's a family store. My 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 mom's side of the family. We stayed in JC Penney's. I thought that was the mall until I was age thirteen. Oh my gosh! Like it was, yeah, because that's all we stayed in. All yeah. day there. Yeah. <laughs> right. Love JC Love it. So I as a customer, I will always go. Um so yes. anyway, um <laughs> after that experience, I went on Craigslist and I sought teaching jobs. I said, well, you know, maybe I can find some place and teach. So I found this school, Alhambra School of Music in Alhambra. Mm-hmm. They were great. I taught there for a good maybe three years. And, um, that was very, I just, you know, taught one-on-one private lessons and, um, three or four years, I have to think about that, but at least three years and great experience. And then I ended up moving to the South Bay. So the commute was becoming a little more, um, taxing, you know, on a daily basis or a few times out of the week when I would go. So I ended up resigning from that position. Um, but Mm. great owners, great school, and it was really the commute that was just taking a toll on me. So I found, through God's grace, I found another job, not even really trying to find it. I wanted it, but I didn't go seeking it, but it came to me. I was at a gig, working with an agency, doing a wedding gig. And there was this woman who is the owner. Her name is Beth Prody. She's the owner of Coast Music Conservatory here in the South Bay, Hermosa Beach. So. She happened to be on the same gig that I was on and um, they had brought her in to work with the singers to conduct a gospel choir. So I'm one of the singers and we're talking and she said, Rafia, can you help me with this? I don't really know how to direct a gospel choir. Like I, you know, I can help with harmonies and stuff, but I don't really know to do it so i said well i mean i i can help with the song i think we're doing like oh happy day or something nothing too involved so Mm -hmm. i just helped a little just did a little thing and she looked at me she said girl mm, mm, mm." (laughs) she said she looked at me just like that beth is funny she said oh i need you to come i don't know what you're up to but i she said she told me what she did she said i have a school and it'd be great to have Mm -hmm. a voice teacher she said i can already tell you're good Mm -hmm. And I said, so I said, um, well, where were you located? And I asked her about the rate, ha ha. And, uh, (laughs) and I said, oh yeah, I said, oh, we could work with that, you know? And, um, but she was, she's a great, great person. And she told me what it was. And I said, wow, that's great. So I told her, um, that I actually, I had moved because I moved to the South Bay. I was with my, my current husband. Um, we were dating at the time. So I was going back and forth, you know, from the Valley to, um, the South Bay. So anyway, eventually ended up moving out here for good and, um, worked at Coast Music for like another four years. I worked at, um, another private institution, the Valor Christian Academy School, um, and then I taught inside of my home and I started from one student to two to three to 20 to 30. And then I said, you know what, we need to mm. separate this. Um, uh, I'm, I'm enjoying the teaching, but it would be so nice if I was able to have a place 
a little mm-hmm. storefront boutique size where it was close to home. And I remember telling my husband that I said, you know, we were driving down PCH Pacific Coast Highway. And I said, that would be so nice. It was like I was dreaming out loud. You know, it wasn't, I wasn't ready to say, okay, well, here's 20 grand. Let's do it. You know, I wasn't ready to do, to put down the down payment and really go like shopping for a place. And shortly after that, where I'm sitting right now, this is like manifestation. This is crazy. But, um, this property here is brand new. Now my suite is very small. It's not that big. And um, we're about like 1,300 square feet. Mm. And um, as I was from day to day driving down PCH and would just kind of look to my left or right, whichever side the building was on, this building wasn't here. It was being built from scratch. So they always had people working on it, doing construction. And I said, wow, this place looks really nice. It looks like whatever they're building there is going to be nice. And then Mm -hmm. once they built it, they had this woman, the realtor, her name is Safina, or, you know, at the time, her name was on the, the kind of like the billboard or, or sign, we'll say, the sign mm-hmm. for the building for leasing, um, please call, blah, blah, blah. So I, out of nowhere, decided to call her, mm-hmm. ready to, to look at property, you know. <laughs> so I call her and I said, hi. Uh, my name is Rafia. I'm just looking here at your suites and just wanted to give you a call, just get an idea of your pricing for your the leasing of the spaces. So she told me this uh, the rate per square uh, per uh, square foot, you know. So I said, oh okay. And I told her it was for a music school, and she said a music store. I said, well, we would sell things, but mainly you know private lessons. And she said, okay. So she told me what it was, and then I saved her number. And then forgot about it. I wrote everything down, actually. And then I closed that little book up and forgot about it. Mm. Five or six months later, I do the same thing. I'm driving down PCH. I pull into the driveway of this property Mm. and call her again. Hi, this is uh, Rafia. We talked about. She said, yeah. You, you called me five, six months ago about the music store. I said, oh, well, the music school. She said, yeah, what happened? I said, well, you know, I just, just, you know, I don't know. But yeah, I'm just calling again. What was the square footage again? She said, you know what, let's meet. Let's meet. So she came. Um, we met. I came into the place. And I talked to my husband. And we weren't married at the time. But I talked to him about it. And make a long story short, I told him what the square footage was. And he said, you know what? You have students here at the house. Why? Let's just do it. Let's go. Why not? And he's so funny because he's not impulsive. Like (laughs) everything needs a plan, but this, yeah, he's definitely not the type like, yeah, let's just go, you know, but this he was. And within a week's time, we met with the landlord lease was signed. We were moved in. So amazing that wow. it was it was it was a week's time so that was only god once again but i i just looked at the property and just said oh that's mm. nice you know just kind of admiring it and then mm-hmm. i just i don't know 
And then everything fell into place. So that's how it all fell um, to finally to, to put the final button on the answer to the question. Um, in 2012, I wrote a business plan, a business plan of a timeline for 10 years. And I said things that I wanted to do in my career. Three to five mm-hmm. years, I want to be an opening act for headlining artists. Fortunately, mm-hmm. thank God that happened. I opened up for Shaka Khan. That was cool. Oh, wow. It's some, oh, you know, gosh. some days. Right. And little old me, I'm not signed to nobody. I don't have all these contacts just falling out of the sky, you know. Um, wow. But, just uh-huh. a tiny bit about how that happened. Well, um, there was a gentleman who works, currently works for Hyundai, the car company. I sang at his daughter's wedding and Mm -hmm. um, he happened to be over the entertainment for the Image Awards after party and he called me for the gig. That's how it happened. That's Mm -hmm. as simple as that. And you just never know where things are going to lead, right? You (laughs) never, exactly. Because I just sang... You know, we, you know, it it was already big enough that I worked with him prior to that. And he was um, uh, working with Hyundai. So that was cool. But then to be opening up for Shaka was just like beyond cool, (laughs) you know, and that was so unexpected. And when the call came in, even like the Christina Aguilera call, that was unexpected. I was teaching that day and the gentleman who called the contractor he was a referral from one of my friends. Mm. And I was ready to tell him that I had to teach. But then when he told me who the artist was, I said, well, you know what? I can move some things around. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> okay. So mm-hmm. your, your 10 your year plan. So you've, um, you've opened for Shaka Khan. Yes, open for Shaka Khan. I've been able to do some jazz festivals, which that's my life. I love jazz, like, you know, a fusion of jazz, R&B, like kind of like the Rochelle Pharrell vibe, meet Sade. That's what I live for. So I've been able to do a couple of those, been able to put my music out there, whether it's somewhere in the UK somewhere or in Brazil, been able to do all that fun stuff. Um, I haven't traveled internationally yet to perform live for as a solo act. That's something I would love to do. Um, but those things, other than that, those things have been unfolding. So within my five to 10 year plan, I put opening up a um, facility music school for underprivileged children. So mm. um, that was in my timeline, but it was much later. That was 10 years from now or from mm. 2012 but they came more in like your four or five year plan. So that's wow. that was just that writing down thing again. And it just happened to, to yeah. fall into place. But yeah. Um, yeah, so that's, that's how it all came to be. And just a little bit about the day to day, you know, business of, of running your school. You know, what, what do you, like if I told you, I want to run a school, um, mm-hmm. what's your day like? What would my day be my- like? Your day would be, well, if you have, I, I wear many hats, if you will. I wear many right. hats. So the teaching is the easy part. The teaching is the fun right. part. The teaching is, <laughs> right. you know, that, that doesn't take too much work because that's, that's what you're good at. That's your service. Um, yeah. I would say 
I've learned how to use QuickBooks. I've learned how to things that I'm not, you know, that's just what I'm a singer. I'm a musician, the QuickBooks and learning things about accounting or business or mm. just talking to people the day to day um, of being in service or in the people business, you know, talking to different parents and families. And um, it's been it's been great. And fortunately, I have a really good um group of people that that come here on a daily or weekly basis um so i would say that money having capital is very important um i would say that if you could save up whether a year's worth of your overhead six months three months the more you have the better um moving into a facility that is already built out you know like here we're in an open space and we have um you know we've been wanting to have a uh, practice room so we have like this room on wheels more like a partition wall kind of format um on the mm. two opposite ends of the space so we can have our teaching area for myself and then for the other teachers you know if we're teaching at the same time but it, it's it takes a lot of money to get things done um right. You know, and then doing it in a way, whether you get a grant or whether you get a loan, loans are tricky because remember, you already got your overhead and you, you know, you already got your personal right. bills. <laughs> it, right. It's just, it just, we didn't do it. We didn't do that. Right. We didn't do loans, but um, fortunately we've been able to keep things at a, at a, a level where the business is paying for itself just with the, the um, lessons alone, you know? Right. Um, but uh, I would say multiple streams of income to help fund the business on times where that may not be the case. That would be my advice. Mm. And um, mm. to um, just to be open, plan, plan ahead. And these are things, mm -hmm. whether it's business or life, but planning ahead is definitely, um, there's so many things that you don't know um, that are going to happen that happen. You know, we had hired, um, what well, we were looking to do a build out. And I think the, the, the quote was like $115,000. And we were like, okay, we're going to fundraise. We're going to do it. And then we got to a point where we're like, well, you know what? We don't even own the, own the building. Why are we going through the hassle? You know, let's just make this work what we have. And of course, yeah. you know, if we could get a room or two, that'd be great, but let's not kill ourselves over it. You know, right. let's focus yeah. on building the business. So, yeah. yeah. So my advice would be, having money saved up would be great, a great start. And um, any loans or grants that you can get is, is um, more so grants. Think that you don't have to um, add on to your debt, you know, right. is, is definitely, yeah, yeah. So um, right. yeah, it's a learning curve, learning curve. So I would say having money <laughs> and being <laughs> open to learning, oh, and delegating things when you can but not mm -hmm. delegating it where you're paying all these people and you're not, you know, you're just going under, you're in the red because you're overextending yourself and you're, and you're mm -hmm. expensing, you're spending, you know, business, you don't really, most people don't make money the first couple of years because you're so busy trying right. to you know, pay all your expenses and, and the right. business that you have usually is enough just to pay the business <laughs> breaking even. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
Well, I would say it certainly it certainly helped that you know it sounds like you you built up your student base, you know, so it's just kind of mm -hmm. like taking these thirty or so kids and and adults or whoever and and kind of yeah. you know taking them to a new location. It's not like you opened the building and it's just like waiting for people to come <laughs> you know yeah, no, no, oh my God, now, I mean, I'm impulsive, but that's just insane, yeah, um <laughs> to open up with nobody like you know, I'm just gonna have faith, God's gonna work it out, and he will, but it's gonna be a lot. You know, yeah, yeah, no. Um, yeah, having that really helped because it was, it was just like moving uh, from one home to the next, you know. And right. then my students who were coming at, at our home studio, they really enjoyed coming to a new location. And, and the beauty yeah. in that is that they saw the growth. They saw right. from home studio to here so that it was cool for them you know they they were happy just for me just as I was happy to be here and have them here with me you know so that was nice and that's wonderful and and you know I don't know if it's something that they would maybe get as kids but maybe like you know growing older get you know growing up and kind of deciding what they want to do with their own lives and and maybe they want to do what you do you know and they see right. that you did it and you know uh you kind of built it from the ground up you started at home and and you got a, a right. storefront i mean that would be so mm -hmm. inspiring it is so inspiring you know yeah my goal with the kids mainly is I mean, that would be nice if they, you know, as they, when they get older, they look back like, wow, you know, that was really cool. She was here and here and, and then they understand or have an idea of what it takes um, to get there. But my, my main thing for the kids, what I enjoy the most, you know, I, I'm not trying to make them all superstars. Mm. You know, I, I want them to do the best that they can and, and, you know, to learn and to grow. But what really um, is I think the core of my teaching is for them mm. to be good human beings. <laughs> you know, mm. I want, I know, and you know, mm. and the next singer and musician knows how beneficial music is in our lives and having yes. that to help us develop as people and to be conscious and to be well-rounded, you know, yeah. whether they become singers, dancers, musicians, or doctors, lawyer, uh, psychologist, you know, <laughs> whatever they mm -hmm. become, but helping them and instilling values in them. Because just like when it comes to practicing the music or singing or performing, there's a skill set that's being built. There's a time management mm -hmm. factor that's being built, you know, like have you yes. practiced, have you this, have you that. There's yeah. all these different life things that they're learning, whether they're six years old, 16, 26, 40, 50, you know, there's things that it, it all translates. So especially with the kids. Um, mm. And um, so, yeah, so it's more than the music because I know um, for me and I'm sure for you as well, growing up, there was just this unsaid thing about the effects of music that we had. You know, we knew it made us feel good. We knew that we enjoyed it, but we knew mm -hmm. that there was something good in it, you know, that was mm -hmm. life changing or transformative or, or, you know, spiritual that we all were connected in some way. And, you know, just like, you can't really put your word, I can't put a word to it, but um, that's what I want the kids to experience, you know? So that's, uh, that's that. That, I mean, 
we can just leave it right there. That's wonderful. I think everything that you just said, I think is, you know, the components of what makes a, a person a wonderful teacher and a, what makes you a great teacher. And, you know, I think every teacher should feel this way about their students and about teaching. And that was just so beautiful and inspiring Thank what you just you. said. I love that. Well, <laughs> where can, um, where can everybody find you? Your websites well, oh, and, and all of that. Right. I have websites, right? Plural. Uh, so for the, <laughs> uh, for the school website is Rafia music studio.com. Um, mm-hmm. Um, I always tell, I, I started this thing, Rafia rhymes with mafia, no relation. Um, Ooh, so, you know, <laughs> the two Fs, right? So rafiamusicstudio.com. For my artist page, it's rafiamusic.co, C-O. Um, mm. It used to be .com, but the domain was bought <laughs> by some a third party, so... It was too expensive to buy back. So that's rafiamusic.co for any upcoming artist shows that I have or, or gigs coming up so they can find. And music, actually. Original music is there as well on the artist website, rafiamusic.co. Awesome. Wonderful. Okay. Well, thank you so much for doing this. I, you know, it was just so much fun to learn a lot more about you. And I'm glad I'm just happy you said yes. And just thank you. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you for um, reaching out and, and inviting me. And I, I actually feel honored to be a part when I got the, the message that you, you know, when you reached out, I said, Oh, wow, that's so nice. Like, absolutely. So thank you. I, I appreciate this, uh, this time that we're sharing together. Oh, me too. And honor. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. All right, guys. Well, I hope you enjoyed that. I so loved everything that Rafia had to say. So here are the singing lessons. Number one, treat people how you want to be treated. Number two, do what you can to make people feel good, especially when they're working on your behalf. Ah, that's great. Number three, if you're going to open a school, it's important to have capital. Number four, it's a great idea to find a facility that is already built out. Number five, have multiple streams of income to fund your business. Number six, delegate when you can. So great, guys. This is going to be available as a freebie um, in the show notes of this episode. So you can download that for free. And um, that's just another little resource for you. So, you know, like I said at the top of the show, I I felt like this is um, a really smart way to start a school, you know, having um, your, your clients sort of built up, having your students already kind of there and you're just kind of shifting them over um, to another location, basically, and kind of building from there. And, you know, touring... It does pay well and it does make it um, easy to easier to um, save um, a lot of money so that maybe you don't have to get loans and all that. You know, if you haven't toured, it does pay that well. And I think I've said in another episode, you know, um, it can, you know, I mean, it can pretty much cover maybe what you'd make in a couple of months in a regular day job. You can make that in a week, you know. So um, depending on who you're working with and all that kind of thing. But, you know, um, that does uh, make it a little bit less of a challenge. Of course, you've got to be like great with money. And that's a whole other 
um, and planning. And that's a whole other uh, podcast that maybe we'll we'll do. But, um, you know, I, I just um, really admire that she that Rafia had started her school. And um, I hope you guys are inspired to, you know, start that school or create that workshop you know, or um, just start that small studio or whatever you would like to do. You know, it's not insurmountable. We've all got a different blueprint, like I've said before. And, you know, we all have to kind of find our own way. But if you can relate in any way and apply any of this to your own journey, um, your own plans for yourself, then um, then fantastic. That's what we want. So we have the listener shout outs. Um, and today's listener shout out is from Maya Siobhan. Um, she gave a shout out on Facebook and um, she said, I listened while in 405 traffic this morning. I've taken Gerald's class. That's Gerald White from episode 15. I've taken Gerald's class and love his teaching style and spirit. The jewels he drops are priceless in all caps. Quote, say yes to all opportunities. Unquote. Hats off to you, Jamila Ford, for your podcast. Thanks, Maya. Thank you for the shout out. I really do appreciate it. Gerald's episode was so fantastic. And if you guys haven't heard it yet, you must. Um, he is a, an in-demand session singer um, in L.A., excellent teacher. I've taken a lesson with him. I've also taken his sight singing class, and he's just fantastic. So if you guys didn't get, um, if you didn't hear that episode, um, you know, uh, listen and um Take notes and <laughs> go into go to the working singer uh, the working singer podcast.com get the freebie for that episode and um, you know look at the mentions section on that um, website I, I I list all of the resources that we talk about in every episode I always list the links and all of that kind of thing so if you kind of were in a position where you couldn't write something down or look it up then it should be it would be there in the mentions um for that episode so yeah a lot of great stuff a lot of great resources for you guys and guys join the facebook group speaking of resources um you know i want to connect with you guys there and i want everybody to connect with each other and support each other and you know talk about your wins for the week talk about your goals for the week um talk about anything that you are struggling with um and all things like that. So I'm just really trying to build the community. Um, I would love it to be, lar you know, a large group so that we have just a, just a, a diversity of opinion and experience and all of that. Um, so go into your Facebook search and type in the Working Singer podcast and our community will pop up there. Uh, request to be a member and I will let you in. Also follow me on Instagram at Jamila Ford Music. DM me there. I I read and answer all of my DMs. So, you know, connect with me there. And then just take a few minutes to share this episode or any of the other episodes that you might have enjoyed with um, another singer um, or somebody who loves singers, you know. Um, but like I've said before, this is a, you know, this is a resource that I definitely could have used out of, out of college, out of high school, you know, um, like five years ago, <laughs> uh, and five years ago, it had been a while since I'd been out of college. So, um, but you know, it, it's just, I created this because I thought, you know, what do, what do I 
actually need? And what does everybody else need? What does every other singer that I know need? And that is just kind of a place to kind of get your thoughts together and to also know that you are not the only person who um, might be struggling a little bit or, you know, you just need some ideas. You know, it's so easy to uh, get just to stagnate and and run out of ideas as far as what to do next and, you know, figure things out because it's so like there's no blueprint. There's no way of really knowing if point A is really starting at point A will lead you to point B or will it get you to point P, you know, like it can be hard to know if you're making a good decision <laughs> also, you know, that's what I found with this, uh, this profession, but, um, you know, you just have to get on the road. So I think that this, um, the interviews here really do help with that, you know, and maybe make you a little less fear, make you more fearless, um, to just kind of get on the road and start walking it. Cause that's what we really have to do. Um, beyond anything else is take that action and then you get some clarity and then you get that confidence you know um you start working that muscle and um and then things start to like you know fall together but all that to say you know this is something that i could have used and pass it along to anybody who you think could use it and please rate and comment and subscribe because it really does help other people to find um this resource this podcast so um, that's it for today, you guys. I had a great time connecting with you again. Love you, appreciate you, and I will talk to you next week.